Thanks for listening to audio from North Monroe. To learn more about who we are, visit northmonroe.com or download the North Monroe app in the App Store or on Google Play. Now, here's this week's message. Happy New Year, everybody. It's so good to be with you and to be in this place and want to say welcome to all of you who are with us online as well. Um, Crazy weather. 82 yesterday, 42 this morning. And I think that was our high. So uh, what, a, what a time. I guess 22 is going to start out the way 21 ended, right? Unpredictable. Got a brand new year, uh, brand new opportunity in front of us. And I think we all are hoping that 2022 will be better than 2021. Um, we hope. I don't know. Somebody said this from a text. 2022 feels like that boyfriend uh, we're about to take back for the third time because he swears he's changed. <laughs> Look, I can't help you with a better year, but I can help you with a better you. You see, one thing is true. Whether we get a better year or not, God wants us to be better. He wants us to be more like Jesus. And sometimes, unfortunately, the best way to do that is to go through some hard years. And so while we pray for an easy year, we prepare for whatever God wants us to do. And to do that, we need to go to His Word. So let's take our Bibles out. Let's turn our devices on. Let's go to Philippians chapter 3. Normally, at a time like this, we'll make our resolutions, right? And I love that. I think they're important. And I think we all ought to take a look at who we are, where we are, and what's coming. But most of our resolutions that we make at New Year's tend to focus on the wrapper. You know, I want to lose weight, quit a habit, you know, fill in the blank. It's usually related to physical outward appearance stuff. Instead of doing that, I I want us to focus and drill down just a little bit on how to become not better in our outward appearance, but better in our character and nature. And Paul gives us the clue to this in Philippians chapter 3, starting in verse 12. He says, not that I have already obtained it. Now he's talking about who he is in Jesus. Not that I've already arrived is what he's saying. Not that I've already obtained it or have already become perfect, but I press on so that I may lay hold of that for which I also was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize up the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I love the fact that in in just typical humility, Paul is saying, I'm not there. I haven't arrived. He says, not that that I'm already perfect. And that word perfect doesn't really deal with sinlessness or that kind of perfection. It's a word in the original. It's the verb tense of the noun telos, which means the end or the objective. Um, we use that word when, you know, describe a telescope, for example. Uh, it is scope, which means to see, and telos, which is the end. And so with a telescope, you can see what's at the end, right? And that's the idea behind it. It's not so much that he's, he's trying to achieve this sinless perfection in his personal uh, behavior, but it's, it's that he's not become the objective that he knows he wants to be. He's not the man that he was but he's not the man that he wants to be. And what is the objective in faith? Well, it's to look like Jesus. 
For whom he foreknew these, he also predestined, Romans 8, 29, to be conformed to the image of his son. So God wants every one of us to look just like Jesus. And Paul is saying, I'm not there yet. And notice the repetition. He said, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet. And whenever you're reading the Bible and you see repetition, you, you, you realize that that's an important feature because it's added additional emphasis. He's saying twice here, I'm not there. I'm not where I want to be. He's saying, I don't have a, a hold on this thing yet. I have work to do. And you know, truthfully, we all do. If Paul does, you and I do. None of us have arrived. But then he gives us a word we need to hear for New Year's. He says, one thing I do. And then he says two things. That classic preacher talk, one, th- one point, and then he says five more things, right? He says, it, it, that's not really what he's doing. He says, forgetting what lies behind, that's one thing. I press on to what lies ahead, that's the second thing. But really, in his mind, it's all the same thing. Because in the single act of forgetting what lies behind, I'm immediately focusing on what lies ahead. It's sort of like repentance and faith. You know, which came first, repentance or faith? Well, both. Because repentance means to turn around. So if I'm going this way and I'm living in sin and I turn from that, the moment I turn from that, I turn to Jesus. The moment I turn from sin, I turn to Jesus. And so repentance and faith happen concurrently at the same time. It's really a single act. And in this case, it's a single act as well. But for our purposes, let's deal with it in two parts, okay? I like to think of a new year as kind of packing for a journey. And when you go on a vacation or pack for a journey, you got to leave some stuff behind. you got to pack some stuff to take with you. So what do we need to leave behind What do we need to take along? Let's start with what we leave behind. Things to leave behind in the coming year. He says, one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind. Now, obviously, there's a lot in our past we don't want to forget about. Who was it, the sage that said, the one who forgets his history is doomed to repeat it? There are things that we've learned we don't want to relearn. So I don't want to forget about that part. There are blessings God has given us. I don't want to... I don't want to forget. Bless the Lord, O my soul, forget none of his benefits. I don't want to forget that. In fact, there are experiences that I've gone through, things that have happened to me that have created who I am. My whole life story, and and in regard to that, my whole life message is a product of my past. That's not what he's talking about here. The emphasis here is he's not saying forget all the past. He's saying leave some stuff in the past. Because truthfully, wherever I go, the past goes with me. I say this all the time, the past lives in me, but I don't live in the past. And that's, I think, exactly what he's talking about. So what do we leave in the past? Well, first of all, leave your bitterness in the past. Leave your bitterness. Uh, Hebrews 12, 15, look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Watch this. Watch out that no, and man, get this part, poisonous root. You got that? No poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. You know, the fact is, you've been hurt. And there are people who've done stuff to you in 2021, 2020, 2019, going all the way back. And you can hold on to that. And you can be unforgiving. And you can allow bitterness to grow in you like a poisonous root. But I've got to tell you, the only one that's poisoning is you. Someone said bitterness is a sword that we wield by the blade. The damage is done to the person who holds on to it. Forgiveness is the answer to bitterness. In the same way that we're forgiven, we forgive. And in that moment of forgiveness, there's release. So think about who you're harboring bitterness toward. Who hurt you? 
You know, usually it's somebody close to you. The truth is, the people that hurt us most are the ones that are closest to us because the further you are, the less likely you are to hurt me. So who, who hurt you? Who have you chosen not to forgive? Who are you holding on to? Uh, you only hurt yourself. Let's leave bitterness in the past, okay? And maybe we need to just say to God today, God, I've got a bitterness toward this person. I'm going to leave it in the past today. When I leave here, I'm leaving it behind. Here's the second thing. Leave your regrets in the past. Man, this is one of the things I struggle with because I often will kick myself over stuff I've done. Mistakes I made, words I said, words I didn't say, um, situations I misread, situations I... I bungled. You ever, are you like that? I wish I was one of those people. I remember reading years ago, W.A. Criswell, the great pastor at First Baptist Church of Dallas, Texas, said, I never rehearse a decision. I wish I was like that. The truth is, I rehearse them over and over and over again. Like, what could I have done better? What would have made it better? Why did we do that? Is there any way I could have undone that? And if you're not careful, you'll live with those regrets. You got something right now that you're glad I don't know about. I mean, there's stuff in every one of our lives we don't, we don't want anybody else to know about because it's too embarrassing. In fact, we don't even like to think about it. And, and they come up with this constant regret. You know what the sad thing is about a regret? There's not a thing in the world you can do about it. I love what Jim Bishop said. He said, it's difficult to live in the present, ridiculous to live in the future, and impossible to live in the past. Nothing is as far away as one minute ago. Nothing is as far away as one minute ago. You can't change regret. All you can do is choose not to carry it with you. So let's leave our regrets in the past. Here's something. Leave your trophies in the past. You're like, wait, what? Yeah. Some of you guys need to get over your trophies. Some of you guys need to hang up the letter jacket. Take down the diplomas. You're you're carrying these trophies around and your trophies begin to identify who you are, and we do that, don't we? I mean, it's hard for us not to, that we, that we somehow understand who we are by what we do. And don't you do that when you meet somebody? What do you ask a person when you meet them? You know, what's your name? Where are you from? All that stuff. But sooner or later, it's going to get around to, well, what do you do? And notice, it's always a what do you do question, but it's answered in a who you are answer. What do you do? Well, I'm an electrician, or I'm a plumber, or I'm a teacher, or I'm a, you know, I, I had this friend named Bucky Monashag, and uh, he was a small, wiry, West Texas cowboy with a big, big uh, mustache, and I mean, just typical, arts-typical, managed cattle, but I said, Bucky, what do you do? He said, I'm a land man. So what's a land man? What's well, a guy that manages land? Uh Works with leases for people in the oil business. He's a landman. You know, that's what he... And isn't it interesting? We say, what do you do? But you answer who you are. Look, I got to thinking about that one time, you know? What do you do? Well, I'm a pastor. And then all of a sudden, everybody gets weird, right? Start hiding the beer and cigarettes. <laughs> so, so I was like, well, what else could I say? Well, sometimes I carry out the garbage. In fact, I carry it out a lot. So maybe when somebody says, what do you do? I should say, I'm a garbage guy. Or sometimes I, you know, listen to people. I'm a listener. Sometimes I, I uh, you know, clean stuff up. 
Sometimes I, I ride the tractor. I'm a tractor guy, you know, which in some ways to me sounds better than a preacher guy. I mean, I'm a tractor guy. You know, you know what I'm saying? You're not what you do. Who you are is not what you do. And here's the problem with our trophies and our letter jackets and all that junk, is we can identify who we are by our accomplishments. And one of two things is going to happen. You'll either overestimate your worth based upon your performance, or you'll underestimate your worth based on your performance. Because if you don't have a lot of patches on your letter jacket, then it's easy for you to think that you don't have that significance. Listen, when Paul said, forgetting what lies behind, he was really talking about his victories. Go back to Philippians 3 and move up to verse 4. Although I myself might have confidence even in the flesh, if anyone else has a mind to put confidence in the flesh, I more so, Paul's about to tell us about his letter jacket circumcised the eighth day of the nation of Israel, another baby, man, a baby Jew, of the nation of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, and it doesn't get any better than that, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law of Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to the righteousness which is found in the law, found blameless. That's his resume. But look at verse 7. But whatever things were gained to me, those things I have counted as lost for the sake of Christ. In other words, he left his trophies in the past. He didn't allow himself to be identified by his performance. Look at verse 8. More than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them but... Here's a beautiful word in the original, rubbish, so that I may gain Christ. You know what that word in the original rubbish means? You ever been to Denny's? Denny's used to have these square tables that would fold up and it would make a big round table. And where they would fold up, there was a crack. You know what I'm talking about? Remember, you used to have a formica dinette, and they would come together, and you had a crack down the middle, and you'd wipe the whole table, but stuff would tend to get stuck in the crack, right? You could take a little toothpick or something and sort of flick that stuff out of the crack. You know what the rubbish is? It's the stuff in the crack at the table at Denny's. It's that crack stuff. Paul says, that's what I think. That's what I think about all the great stuff I accomplished in my life. We need to leave that stuff in the past. We aren't identified by our performance. We're identified by who we are in Jesus. Not by what other people say about us, but what God says about us, right? Okay, that's past. What do we pack for the future? Let's talk about things we pack for the future. He said, one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, I press on toward the goal. Verse 13, and reaching forward to what lies ahead. What do we need to bring with us in 2022 to live the victorious life that is more reflective of the nature of Jesus? Well, first of all, pack grace for the coming year. You'll need it for freedom. You see, my righteousness is a gift of grace. I received it by faith. I didn't earn it. If you look up at verse 9, uh, prior, just after what we just read, I didn't bring it with me, but if you'll look at verse 9, you'll see that he talks about faith and how his righteousness is based on faith. I, I can't lose it. I don't have to keep fretting over it, is what he's saying. And that's what the enemy wants you to do. He wants you to fret. You see, he can't stand for you to be free. 
Jesus said he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. John said he's the accuser of the brethren, and he's constantly bringing those accusations. And so those old sins, those old patterns, those old mistakes, those old failures, those old losses, he's always constantly bringing that to your uh, attention. And he wants to bring you down with that. He wants you to forget about grace. Let me say two things that are going to liberate you. Two things that will liberate. Here's the first one. Stop apologizing for stuff you already apologized for. Stop it. Psalm 103.12, He has removed our sins as far from us as east is from the west. And, and God doesn't live on a ball. You know, if you live on a ball, east and west come back around. God doesn't live on a ball. East from west is way farther apart in His world than it is in ours. Stop apologizing for stuff you've already apologized for. And here's the second thing. Start at, stop asking forgiveness for sins that he already forgave. Man, how many times do we do that? Hello, Lord, it's me again. I just, I just want to tell you again how sorry I was for that thing. And he's like, what thing? Look at Hebrews 10, 16. This is the new covenant I'll make with my people on that day, says the Lord. I'll put my laws in their heart and I'll write them on their minds. Then he says, I will never again remember their sins and lawless deeds. Man, underline that, circle that, highlight that. And when sins have been forgiven, here it is, there is no need to offer any more sacrifices. You're in Jesus. He dealt with the sin and shame. Carry grace with you so that when the enemy begins to spill his lies into your mind, you counter that with grace. Second thing is pack vision for the coming year. You'll need it for focus. Look at verse 14. He says, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I love how single-minded Paul was. He never took his eye off the ball. He never lost track of his vision. Everything about him was completely dedicated to a single purpose. He had a singleness of eye that I envy. Because I don't get that, because I get distracted by junk. It's like this time I was riding my motorcycle. Back in 1981-82, I was a youth guy at First Baptist Church in Gatesville, Texas, little old bitty church in, in a small town, Gatesville, Texas. And so on the weekends from Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then halfway through Monday, I would be in Gatesville. And then uh, I was a seminary student in Fort Worth, 135 miles away. And so on Mondays, I would ride my motorcycle from Gatesville back to Fort Worth. And I would live in Fort Worth Monday evening, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, go to class, and then get on my motorcycle and ride back to Gatesville on Friday, 135 miles one way. And I'm, you know, 22 years old. And so I'm riding this motorcycle, this Kawasaki 440 LTD, you know, down the highway. And I, you know, sometimes I'd get in at night in Central Texas and there's deer everywhere. And I'm thinking, oh, look at those cool deer, you know. Never occurs to me I could smack one. That's just the life you live at 21, 22. So that's my life. One day I'm riding my motorcycle down Highway 84 and I'm wearing short pants, a t-shirt, tennis shoes, and a Bell Tour Star full-face helmet. I don't know why I had a full-face helmet 
Normally, I wouldn't wear one, but I had one that day, and I'm, I'm grateful. I'm driving along 60, 65 miles an hour, which is about all my 440 LTD would do. And, you know, two-cylinder little engine. And I look up, and there's smoke across the highway. It just looks like smoke. It's like, what in the world is that? Smoke across the And I'm going to, well, I'm going to drive through smoke. And I come up to it, and just as I get close enough, I realize it's not smoke. It's bugs. It's some sort of insect. It's a flying something. And then when I get real close and start hitting them, I realize it's not just insects, it's bees. It's a massive giant swarm of bees and they're crossing the road and now I'm going through them at 60. Rung, rung, rung. Bees are hitting me everywhere. I'm covered in bee guts. Legs covered, arms covered, but the bees aren't dying. Some of them aren't, and they're starting to sting me under my arms and, and uh, along my sides and on my legs, and I'm like, you know, 60 miles an hour going, you know, and then I look up, and on the inside of my helmet, crawling across the face mask, there's a single bee. Let me tell you something. When you're going 60 miles an hour down the highway on a motorcycle and you got a bee in your helmet, it's hard to think about anything else. But if you take your eye off of what's really important, which is that highway, you're going to turn into road rash. And I got to thinking about that in our life. And in 2022, you're going to get some bees in your bonnet. There's going to be a bee in your helmet. And if you focus on the bee that's in your helmet, instead of the highway that you're going down, things are going to get a lot worse than a bee sting. Now, fortunately, I don't know how I did it, but I managed to pull myself over, get my helmet off, throw it, get the bee out of my helmet and all that. But if I'd have lost focus, which I tend to do, and I think about that, how many times are these, are the, is this junk coming into our life that just rips us away from the focus we have on Christ? What's your focus? And you got to carry vision with you to keep you focused. What's your vision? What is God's vision for your life? What does God want to do with your life? Not your vision. What is God's vision? See, Paul never forgot. And then pack toughness for the coming year. You'll need endurance. Two times in verse 12 and verse 14, he uses the expression press on, and the word meant to impel or to set into rapid motion. It's a word that meant to connect yourself with somebody who's moving fast. And what he's saying is, I'm pressing on, I'm trying to hang with Jesus, I'm, I'm locking myself onto that regardless of what that carries me through. It's almost like, you know, when you're behind a boat and stuff starts to happen and you're being pulled along, wherever that boat goes, you're going, you know. And, and Paul is saying that toughness is there. And look, I don't know what's coming in 2022, but I can tell you this, some of it's not going to be good. There's going to be hurts. There's going to be happiness. You got to be tough. You got to hang tough. You got to be willing to persevere. That's what that word means. And then pack devotion for the coming year. You'll need it for holiness. Notice he says that he's pursuing the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Don't ever forget it's an upward call. You know, sometimes when you're gutting it up and toughening it out, you forget that it's a, a holiness that God is pursuing in us. It, it's not about my performance. It's about my relationship. And, and we forget that. And so we got to bring devotion along. i got to have time alone with God, time in His Word, Time in prayer, time in fasting, giving, sharing, 
Because here's, here, here it is at the end of the day. Christianity is not a task to accomplish. It's a relationship to nurture. And you can do all the right things and miss Jesus. So bring devotion in your coming year and just, you know, God, what do you want me to do? And I'm going to daily spend that time with you before you on my face. 2 Timothy 1.9, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was granted to us in Christ Jesus from all eternity. And then pack healthy relationships for the coming year. You'll need them for encouragement. You become like the people who are most influential in your life. And let me just say this. I don't know an easy way to say this. There may be some relationships you need to leave behind. This isn't to say that you don't do ministry. It's not to say that you forget about them and abandon them. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying your level of intimacy with those people may need to change. It's not that uh, you don't stop doing ministry, but you be careful who you allow on your ministry team. You still invest in people. You still hurt with people. You still love and live and laugh and, and reach people. You do all of that. Everyone struggles. But listen, you don't want people in your inner circle who are dragging you into sin, dragging you into rigidity and inflexibility, dragging you into unproductive habits, dragging you into hopelessness and despair. Replace those unhealthy relationships with godly people that will lift you up and challenge you. Because you're going to become like the most important people in your world. Proverbs 27, 17, iron sharpens iron. We've heard it many times. So one man sharpens another. You need people with steel in their character who are going to sharpen you. They're not always going to agree with you. Not always going to go along with you, but they're going to constantly elevate you, and you're going to elevate them. 1 Corinthians 15, do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. You tell me who the most important people are in your life? <coughs> Excuse me. And I'll tell you about your relationship with Jesus. <coughs> the way that's a quote from a Greek poet, Menander who died in 290 B.C., and it tells me something about Paul. It tells me he was widely read and he was smart, and it tells me that he realized that truth is truth no matter who finds it. But the very fact that he would quote Menander, a Greek poet, as he's speaking to this church, reminds me of the plasticity of his mind and the fluidity of his thinking. He wasn't chained to one perspective view, but he was able to collect other ideas and meld them together. And that brings me to this sixth thing, pack innovation for the coming year. You'll need it when life gets complicated. Jesus didn't promise us a textbook. I mean, the Bible is, is the revelation of God so that we understand his nature, his character, his will, and his purpose. But it's not a textbook that we read to, to answer every problem that we have. Because the fact of the matter is, we're going to face stuff that's, that, that may not even be in the Bible. And that's why Jesus didn't promise us a textbook. Hey, turn to, turn to chapter 3, look down at line 2. He said, and lo, I'm with you always. And the Spirit is filled us with His presence so that He will guide us into all truth. 
And that means when I get into difficult situations, I've got to be flexible and fluid enough to allow the Holy Spirit to do fresh work, fresh wind, fresh fire, fresh insight into my life. And I've got to tell you, for Baptists, that can be difficult. Because what do we do? Well, we do what we've always done. What are the seven last words of the church? We've never done it that way before. Well, maybe it's time to start. Or maybe it didn't work back then, but it will work now. You see, the problem that we have is we think that everything is done by method and, and, uh, and plotting and planning, when in reality, the Spirit blows where He wills. And he, Jesus said, this is new wine. The old wineskins won't hold it. So when you get into these situations, you have to be fluid and flexible enough and innovative enough to you stop navigating by the rearview mirror. Stop trying to figure out what to do by what you've always done and say, God, what do you want me to do now? Yes, appreciate the past. Value the past. Honor the past. But don't live there. We have to keep learning. And that's the hard part, especially as you get older, because i got to tell you, I'm tired of learning. <laughs> you know, my kids will tell you. They'll come up and say, hey, Dad, there's this new app on the phone. It'll do this and that. I don't want it. But, Dad, it'll do this and that. I don't want it. Why not, Dad? Because I don't want to learn anything else. I don't want to learn another dumb computer something. I don't want it. Am I fair? Is that fair? Is anybody with me? Why do they keep changing it? It worked fine. Oh, you got an update. Oh, now it doesn't work. Oh, you got to learn this. I don't want to learn that. It worked just fine. Why did they change it? Well, you know what? When you stop learning, you stop growing. When you stop growing, you stop innovating. When you stop innovating, you start dying. Got to keep learning. So keep that in your keep that in your bags for the coming year. And one last thing: pack hope for the coming year. You'll need it when things seem hopeless. And I've got to tell you, things are going to seem hopeless. Like, how do you know? Well, because they did in twenty twenty one, and they did in twenty twenty, and they did in twenty nineteen. And there'll always be that moment. There'll always be those times when you reach that wall and you go, "I can't see beyond this." and I don't know how I'm going to make it through this. And in that moment, he is your hope. You know, what did Job say? Though he slay me, yet I will hope in him. When I can't see the way, faith is believing in advance would only make sense in reverse. And when I can't see the way, I hope in him. Hebrews 6.18, so God has given both his promise and his oath. These two things are unchangeable because it's impossible for God to lie. Therefore, we who have fled to Him for refuge can have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. It leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. 2022 is coming. And it may be like that old boyfriend that we've broken up with three times and he's promising he'll be different and he won't be. I don't know. But I do know that whatever happens, God's already got his stamp of approval on it and he's already got his plan for it. And when we walk in that, we have hope. Would you pray with me? Father, we have a brand new year. The last few have been difficult. We would love to have an easier year. 
We would love for our political parties to get together and work together as statesmen for what's best. We would love it if the racial reconciliation would occur and there would be peace and people would value uh, people regardless of their skin color and would value uh, police officers and would value the things that uh, we value as people of character, people focused on the things of Christ. But Father, we have to admit that uh, that may not happen. And if it doesn't, then use these circumstances to make us more like Jesus. And help us to never stop doing this one thing, forgetting what lies behind. We press on for the upward call of God in Christ Jesus until we lay hold of that for which Jesus laid hold of us. May that be true in every life. In Jesus' name and for His glory, we pray. Amen. Our hope is that this message has encouraged you to seek Christ in your own life and make Him known wherever you are. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and share it with a friend. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week.